This week's parsha is Parshas Miketz. And there's a very famous Beis HaLevi at the beginning of this parsha that cuts to the core of Inyanim that we're familiar with, but the details are a little bit fuzzy. And that's the Inyanim of Bitochen and Hishtavos. So there's a Medrash that says, Ashrei HaGever Asher Sam Hashem Fortunate is the man who places all of his bitachin in Hashem. So who is that? Who is the medrash refer? Who is the pasuk referring to? So the medrash says, Ze Yosef. Yosef Atzadik was the gever. He was the quintessential person that was the bal bitachin. He put all of his trust in the rabbi Nishlaylam. That's the first part of the Pasuk in Tillam. The second part of the Pasuk, And that great Balbitachin did not turn towards Rahavim. Rahavim means the arrogant ones. And the Medrash continues, Darshaning that part of the Pasuk, that that's also referring to Yaisif. That through him, Asking the Saramashkim, Kim Zechartani, and then he says, his Kartani, he says these Lashaynes of, please remember me, I'm going to interpret your dream for you, but you're, and you're going to get out of jail, and I'm asking you one favor to please just remember me and tell Parai of my existence, try to use your influence to get me out of jail. And he said this not once but twice, because of that, he was imprisoned an additional two years because he used such lashaynes of to remember me, remind, um, I want you to remember me when you get out. And the Beis Halevi says that many people ask a question on this medrash because it seems to be a stira. The first part of the medrash is darshaning the Pasuk about Yosef that he was it. He was the greatest Balbitachin that a person can imagine. When David Melach writes, Ashrei HaGever Asher Sam Hashem that fortunate is the man who places all of his trust in the Rabbi Nishlam. He is it. That's Yasef. Okay, so that seems to be that Yasef was perfect. He was the Balbitachin. So then, if that's the case, then what is the Medrash doing? When it continues, darshaning the end of the pasuk, like Rahabim, that he didn't turn towards other people. That's also Yosef, and that he should not have done what he did by asking the Saramashkim that when he gets out, to please remember me to Paray. So, which one is it? Was he a Balbitachan or was he not a Balbitachan? Is the pasuk praising him, or is the pasuk saying that he did something wrong? It's not clear from the Medrash, and many people ask on this Medrash. And this Beis HaLevi is a landmark Shtikel Taira, and I'll explain to you why. Because he gives us a great insight into what Hishtadlus is. We're all familiar with these terms. Now we're supposed to have Bitochen Nakadish Baruch We're supposed to put all of our trust in God that we know. We believe in Him. We trust in him. We have faith in him. All of these words. But yet then we're expected also to do our established, to do what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be getting a job and we're supposed to network and we're supposed to try to figure out uh, the best way to make a, to, to do this and to do that. I have to do established. What's this established? Why? How does the concept of Bitochen and Ishtavos interplay. If I, if I believe in God, then I should be able to do no Ishtavos and after the Shparchu will be able to provide for me. So what is this Ishtavos? Now, it's a very, very complicated sugya. What Ishtavos is? Is it a knas? Is it a chiyov? Is it a rishos? Is it mandatory that we do our, our Ishtavos, our bidding in life? Is it something that the Torah begrudgingly allows us to do? 
Is it something that if we want to do, we can, but we don't have to? Is it extra credit? What is it? And the truth is that if you look around through the Svarim Akadashim, you'll find shittas across the board about what exactly the interplay between Ishtavos and Bitochen is. Very complicated sugya. One year we did an entire year's worth of vads just on the topic of Bitochen. Every week I found a different source and we would discuss it, we would look at it, and every week it was like a different, a completely different world of, of understanding of what the obligation of Ishtavos is. At the end of the year I don't think anyone was a, a bigger Balbitafen. I think maybe Fakert. I think it undermined my entire... I was hoping we would get more understanding and clarity, but it sort of made it very, very difficult to understand exactly what we're supposed to be doing and why we're supposed to be doing it, how we're supposed to be doing it, how much of it are we supposed to be doing. Very, very difficult. But this Beis Halevi was a landmark piece. I remember when we were learning this particular shtickle together that night in the Vad, it was like... It sits well with, uh, with us. I think it will sit well. Because what the Beis HaLevi says is the following. He says that, really, we are allowed to do Ishtadlis. HaKadosh Baruch permits us to do Ishtadlis. He brings a few Marmachimus. There's a Pasuk in Devarim, Uvei Rachacha, and I will bless you. B'chol whatever you do. In other words, do your Ishtadlis and I'll give you bracha. That sounds like it's okay. It's, it's fine. You should gather your grain, meaning you're doing your Ishtablas, and the Gemara and Brachas, and says, The Torah is giving us Rishos to act normal. We could be a farmer. You could do normal activity. You could do business. That's fine. It's allowed. You don't have to sit in the Mitzmetosh all day and expect the money to fall from heaven. You can, you can actually go out and do things. That's, the Torah is giving us rishus for that. So the Chiddush of the Beis HaLevi is, he says that Bitochen in HaKadosh Baruch for the person that's a real Baal Bitochen, if you're really holding on madregas that are very high, you don't need to do any ishtablas. You could really just sit at home, learn, daven, you know, be a tzaddik gummer without ever having to uh, take a college class in your life, work a day in your life. HaKadosh Baruch will provide for you. But you have to really be a genuine Malbitafin on the highest order. You can't just do it for shtick. You have to really put all of your trust in the Rabbi Nishlam and he will provide for you. We're no different than a bird or, a, or an ant or a lizard. They all get in sustenance from HaKadosh Baruch And last I checked, they didn't have a college degree. They didn't have a, they never uh, actually looked at a classified ad in their life. They're, they're being, they're doing fine. We could be the same way. The problem is that as human beings, it's hard to be such a Baal because it's very difficult and it's challenging to put all of our trust in God and not do any ishtablas and just wait for things to happen because we like feeling somewhat in control. So if I'm just sitting and waiting, so I, I, you know, it's uncomfortable for me. So HaKadosh Baruch understands that. Now HaKadosh Baruch says, fine, I want you to be normal. I want you to be human. I want you to be able to manage and to deal with life and to cope without being so stressed out. So if it's too stressful for you to put all your bitachin in me and you feel you need to like sort of go through the motions of doing your, do, your things that you feel you're making parnasa for your family and yourself, fine, you could do it. How much could you do? He says it depends on your comfort level. If we're less of a bitachin, so we need to do more ishtadlas, perhaps as we are growing in our Vedas Hashem and our Bitochen is getting higher and higher, we could cut back on our workload and, and be able to sort of wean away from our need to, to take charge of our life, quote-unquote, and, and, to, and to try to go through the motions of making our Parnassah and doing our Ishtadlis, and we could someday, someday graduate to a Madrega that we need less and less Ishtadlis. But the Balbitachin Gomor, he says, 
he doesn't need to do anything. That's the, that's the pinnacle. The pinnacle is, if you're a true Baal Bitochen, you're comfortable purely trusting in the Rebbein you don't need Ishtadlis. Ishtadlis is what we need to make ourselves feel like, okay, Baruch Hashem, I have a parnasa. I'm, I'm a dentist, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I have a, you know, I'm, I'm a stock trader. I'm doing something that I feel that I'm somewhat active in my parnasa pursuits. I don't feel comfortable learning in Kailo all day. I don't feel like, I, where's the money coming from? If the, the bills are coming in, I'm nervous. Okay, you want to be not so nervous, so try it this way. But the more that you are shtayin in your bitachem, the less hashtaglis that should be necessary. That's what the Beis lady says. And with this, he wants to be miyashev this medrash. He says, Yaisev HaTzadik was such a, a great Baal He was a person that didn't need any Ishtadlus at all, whatsoever. So for him, the fact that he did such a small, almost negligible Ishtadlus, what did he do already? Yaisev HaTzadik. He asked the, he, he, he just asked the, the, the Saramashkim, do me a favor, on the way out, you know, do me, if you could do me a, you know, just, just try to mention me to power. That's all he said. Is that tremendous amount of Ishtadlus? Did he, like, turn over heaven and earth to try to get a, a pardon from, uh, from Parah? He just said to him, Iskartanian, Iskartanian. Okay? For you and me, that would be perfectly fine. But Yosef HaTzadik was on such a high madrega that for him, that was considered kifi madregosaya on his level to be a lack of bitachin. he was condemned to stay in jail another two years because he did that. So, This is Yosef. He was on such a high madrega that for him, saying this minimal ishtavla, saying these words, this kartani twice, that condemned him to stay in jail for another two years because on his level, that was forbidden. That was too much ishtavlis. You're not allowed to do it For him, ishtavlis is wrong. Because he has such a high level of trust in HaKadosh Baruch that it's absolutely wrong for him to be Saimech on human beings because he should be just Saimech on the Rabbi And so the raya that he was such a great Baal Bitochen is that he was, he was Nanash. He was punished for saying he miskartani twice. So that shows that he must have really been somebody that was on a level that he should not have done any Ishtadlis. Because Ishtadlis is just a Rishus. HaKadosh Baruch allows us to do it in order for us to feel comfortable. But if you don't need that comfort, now that's, that's a, that's a chisar in Yabritachim. And for that he was punished. That's how the Beis HaLevi explains this matter. It's a beautiful Beis HaLevi because it gives us a certain understanding about what Ishtadlis is. HaKadosh Baruch wants us to be at ease. He doesn't want us to be stressed out. So if you're a type of person that's completely not stressed out, you're such your mamish living in Shamayim and you're, you don't need anything, you're not expecting anything, you know 100% that the revenge is going to get the money into your bank account just in time for your bills to be paid and you're fine with that, then, you know, more power to you. But if, you're, if you know yourself and you realize that you're not holding theirs, so then we're allowed to, to do whatever it is that we need to do to feel comfortable with our lives, with our lot, with our approach in, uh, to daily living. Beautiful base, Alevi. What I was bothered with was that, okay, that's the base Alevi Shita. And the base Alevi beautifully ties it in with this Medrash. And he uses this Medrash to really support his position. What about the other opinions that I mentioned? And without going into any, all of them, but I'll just mention one of them. Rabzundo Misalant, this is brought in the Mikhtim Eliyahu, by the way, this Shita. Rabzundo Misalant was, of course, the Rebbe of the of Rabisal Salanter, the founder of the Muslim. He was a tremendous Baal Musar, and he used to say that the purpose of Ishtablus, the purpose of Ishtablus is that you have to do something in life. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want us to be Saimech nisim. He doesn't want, we're not Saimech HaNes, we know that, we're not reliant on miracles. So for a person just to go through life and not do any Ishtablas, that would be relying on a miracle. 
Sakharish Parku says, you know something, you have to do something so that it doesn't look like you're relying on something. Something that, that people could look at you and say, oh, okay, he's a, you know, he's a Rebbe. He's, a, you know, he, he's, he's volunteering, uh, you know, he's working in uh, a few hours a day, uh, he's tutoring, he's a paramedic, he's a, a paralegal. What is something that, even though it might not really be enough to make you a tremendous amount of money, but people could somehow say, all right, he's doing something, I get it. He, there's no, he's not living on my Minatama, he's doing, maybe making something on the side, he's doing, he, he's doing some Ishtabas, he's not being some Mechalanes. Rabbi used to say that for me, my personal ishtadlus is I buy a lottery ticket. Every week there's a lotto, bought a lottery ticket, and that's his ishtadlus. You have to do something. You've got to do something. Now, what do you have to do? How much do you have to He says, for me personally, that's the minimal amount of ishtadlus that I, that I want to do. And that way, when I make penas and gadav, maybe you won the lottery. Something you know, you just you have to do something that people can look at you and say, "All right, he's not being semechalanes." There's he, he's he's doing something that naturally a person could make a living from, or or might be able to make a living from. That's good enough. And there are many shittas about this that some people say it's a knasti, you have to do a bizarrem. But anyway, there are opinions that hold that everybody has to do some mishtadlis. Learning Kailo, by the way, is also a mishtadlis. You're, you're, you're learning Kailo, and they're paying you for that. That's your mishtadlis. But you have to do something. You can't just sit on the couch all day and do nothing and say, all right, God, bring it on. Let's have the Parnassar come. You have to do something. It cannot look purely miraculous. So according to those opinions, and there are many opinions that hold this, this is not a Dasyafid, there are many opinions that hold that you have to do some mishtadlos. How do they learn this medrash? I guess the Beis HaLevi. He says that you don't have to do ishtadlos, that there are, Yosef does not have to do ishtadlos. If you're on that madrega, ishtadlos could be a chisarin in you. But what about the opinions that hold that you must do ishtadlos? You have to. You don't have a choice of being that balbitochim that you know, that, that, that's completely mufka from any ishtah. You have to do something. So how does he understand this matter? Actually, I gave it to some of those, Yasef, that the schar that he said, that, that because he said to the Saramashkim, you have to remember me, he was punished for two years. Why? Can't you be a big balbitochim and you still have to do ishtah? That seems to be a pretty, you know, it's, it's ishtahless. It's not a, he didn't, you know, he didn't try to do crazy things. He didn't jump through hoops. He just asked the Sarah Mashkin, listen, man, I did you a favor. Do me a favor back. Why is that established? Why is that too much established? Is that so much established that Yosef should be condemned as uh, two years in jail for that? Why? I have to do established. Everyone has, even Yosef has to do established. So why was he punished for this? And how do you understand the Medrash? What's the medrash, what's the takeaway from the medrash? I guess the simple answer is that maybe the Rebbe of Ishtadlis is that he said it twice. He should have just said it once. Now that he says it twice, and now he's punished twice, he's punished for two years. Maybe if he would have said it once, he wouldn't have been punished at all. But you say it twice, now it's already shown that that's a Rebbe of Ishtadlis. That's too much. I mean, that's like Rabbi Yosef Zendel Misalam buying two lottery tickets. That's already, that's already showing a lack of Yitachim the Rabbi Yosef. That might be a solution to our problem. But I wanted to say something that's a big Chiddush. The Saram Mashkin. Let's focus on him for a second. Let's move the cameras away from Yosef and let's focus on the Saram Mashkin for a second. The Saram Mashkim was a tremendous Balgaiva. This is pointed out, I saw it this week in a sefer called Lekach Das, not in the context at all of what we're talking about, but separately. He just points out that if you look at the language that's used by the Saram Mashkim in Parshas Miketz, when he's talking to Parai of all people, you think you, know, you have a little humility when talking to the king of Egypt, but he constantly talks about himself. The Lushan is, Eschatai Ani Maskar Two years later, he's, 
you know, Pari has this dream, and all of a sudden it triggers in the mind of the Saramashkin the dream that he had in jail. He says, Ay, es He doesn't say es azkir I remember my es ani mazkir, ani. Whenever it says a lotion of ani in the Torah, generally it's, it's like a gaiva. It's like a lotion of gaiva. I, me. Ani mazkir, I'm going to remember today the sin that I committed that I forgot about Yasef. And then he describes exactly what happened. He says, I was placed in jail. I was placed in jail. Me, and listen, you just, you just said me. Why are you repeating? Why do you keep saying me, me, me? It's all about you. The whole conversation is surrounding Sarah Mashkin. He doesn't say, and we dreamt together. He says, and that night, me and the Sarakabachim, and me me and him, we dreamt a dream. We dreamt dreams. Over and over and over again, the Saramashkim keeps on being very, very gaivadik. You see that? It, it, like, if you look at the Psukim, it sort of pops out at you. Now we know that people that have gaiva, people that are narcissistic, people that have tremendous egos, are not exactly Akadosh Baruch Hu's favorite people. Quite the opposite. There is many psukim, and there is gemaras primarily in Saita, a whole big daf in Saita, maybe more than a daf, that speaks about the evil of gaiva. We look at it as, oh, that's, uh, you know, it's cool to be, you know, it means that he has a good self-esteem. We're not talking about people that have a healthy, so we're talking about people that are completely consumed with themselves. Tayavas Hashem kol gevalev. HaKadosh Baruch finds abominable people that are gevalev, that have this very haughty heart. Whoever is misguided, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, The world's not big enough for the two of us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is molecular. This guy is like kvetching HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's like bumping HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of the way. I'm it. You're like kicking the feet of the Shrino away. You're, you're budging HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of the place. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is it. Hashem Malach Geus Lavish, we said today in, Shir, in, in the Shir Shalyan. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wears Geus. He's pride. He's glory. And you're trying to like outshine the Rabbi Nishon by you constantly talking about yourself. And everything is you. And I'm so smart. And I did this deal. And I made this and I have this big practice, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm giving this much to tzedakah, and I was honored by this dinner, and I am it. It's all about me, and look at my children, look at how great they're doing, and look at my car, and look at my house, and look at my vacation, and look at my boat. It's all about me. When a person makes it all about him, that undermines the Shekhinah, that undermines the Rebbeinah Malchus in the world, you're, you're, you're stripping of what's rightfully his. You're making it about yourself. Instead of giving over the Malchus and the Geus to the Rabbi Islam, you're claiming it for yourself. And that means you might go through the motions of davening and learning and doing everything, but it's all about you. You daven, you may, you finish this, you're a genius here, it's all about you. You're using religion to, like, you're a shutaf with the Rabbi Nishan, Or you're greater than the Rabbi It's all about you. What I wanted to suggest was, and this is perhaps a way to understand this medrash, that the other, the other sources of Hishtavlas versus Bitochen could perhaps agree with, is that it's okay to do Hishtavlas in a normal fashion. If I need a job, it's okay for me to go to somebody in Shul who's a nice yid and say, do you have a job for me? Can you help me get a job? Can you help me find a shidduch? Can you help me get my kid into a certain yeshiva? That's fine. That's ishtadlis. That's mutter. And you should do it. You're supposed to do ishtadlis. The problem here was 
who's the shliach that you're making for your hishtamas? If you're going to a regular person, that's fine. If you're going to somebody that's a Balgaiva, and that he's going to take credit, and he's going to be boasting about what he did for you forever, you're basically taking the Rabbi Nishlam out of the whole Bita. What are we doing here? What, what's the point of here? It's that whatever I do is for the Rabbi Nishlam. I believe in the Rabbi Nishlam. If I give over the reins of my Ishtadlis to somebody that's a Balgaiva, so basically, he's going to take credit for it. He's going to make other people believe that it was all about him. And so the whole point of the Bitochen, the Ishtadlis was in order to, to, to create a, an atmosphere in the world that people could be by Tayach in the Rabbi Nishan, but they need to do Ishtadlis for whatever reason. But you're, you're at, this, at the core, you're being by Tayach and Akadishvarku. But if you're going through a Balgaiva to do that, then what's the point? You're basically, you think the Rabbi wants that type of Ishtad? That's not the type of Ishtadlis that a, a Balbitachan would do because a Balbitachan believes in God. He doesn't believe in a human being that's going to that's gonna pretend he's God. Ashrei HaGever Asher Esam Miftachai Ba'ashem Yosef. Yosef was on the highest madrega of Bitochim. And so he's allowed to do Hishtadlis. He's supposed to do Hishtadlis. It's true. The problem was not that he sent his Kartani twice or that he even said his Kartani. That's fine. The problem is, who did he say it to? You're saying it to the Saramashkin? You're saying it to a person that keeps on talking about himself? A person that keeps on saying, Ani, I see constantly at every moment he's thinking about himself, he's bragging about himself. That's the person that you're choosing to use as an agent to, to, get, your, to get what you want? That's awesome. For somebody in the Madriga of Yesef HaTzadik, you can't do that. Maybe we could do that. Part of our Ishtadla says, we, you know, we, we, we do whatever we can. We're in jail and we have to get out, we find a person that could pardon us, and the president wants, the president wants to brag about it for the end of time, that's fine. I, I'm, you know, that's my ishtalus. But on somebody that's on a madrig of Yesed HaTzadik, you can't just use anybody that you want. You have to be very, very discerning and not use people that are Balai Gaiba, that's going to suck all the oxygen out of the room of the Rebbe and claim that they're the ones that got you out of jail. You have to be able to use a, do it in a way that it looks like the Rebbe got you out of jail, but through a, through a regular Kava, but not in a way that's, a, that's contrary to the entire concept of Yitachim Rashem. And that's the Lushen of the Medrash. V'laipana el Rehavim. The Pesach says and tell him, and you don't face towards who? You don't turn in your Ishtadlis to who? Rahabim. What does Rahabim mean? Towards arrogant people. The problem wasn't that he was doing Ishtadlis. That's fine. You have to do Ishtadlis according to the Ishitas. But the problem is with whom and through whom are you doing Ishtadlis? You're using Rahabim? You're using Bali Gaiva? That's forbidden. Somebody on the Madriga of Yeh said, that's where you can't do that. That would undermine the the, the the Kayach of HaKadosh in the world to show clearly that he's in charge. When you go through somebody else and you go through a Saramashkim, a Balgaiva, a Rahavim, that's already, that's too much established. no matter what you say. Even if you just wink at him, that's too much established because that's contrary to the entire concept of Ishtadlis and Bitochem. Now I was thinking... Is there anywhere else that we could find a, a similar concept, a riot to this, or, a, or another, another uh, step in this same direction? So I was thinking that maybe there's another place that we find this. Avram Avinu, after the whole Muhammad with the four kings and the five kings, and Avram Avinu had a lot of booty from, all, from the war, Melech Sadaim, who was, he fell into a very uh, tarry pit, he was about to die, and a nace happened to him in the Schuss of Avram Avinu, he was taken out of the pit, and he comes and he says to Avram Avinu, you know, 
Tainly on Nefesh for a push Take, Give me the, the, uh, the prisoners and you can keep all of the booty. So what does Abraham Avinu say to Melch Sadaim? He says, no. He says, I'm not going to take anything from you. Now I'm not going to take a shoelace, I'm not going to take a strap from a shoe. I'm not going to take anything. And you should never say, that I was the one that made Avram Avinu wealthy. I don't want you to say that. I don't want you to say that. Now, all the Mepharshim asked, is this the same Avram Avinu that took a lot of money from Parai? How did Avram Avinu make all his money? He, Parai gave him a lot of money. Avram hated Babura because of Sarah. Avram Avinu made a fortune from Parai. He made a fortune again from Avimelech, Melech Durar. He took money from other people. The money that he had did not just magically appear out of nowhere. He took it from kings. That's where a lot of his money came from. All of a sudden, Melech Sadaim, he becomes very, uh, you know, I, I can't take from you. I'm sorry I don't take money from you. What's the chilek? Everybody, all of them asked this question on, on, over here and other places earlier on the parish of What I was thinking to say is that you could take money from people. That's hishtadlis. You're allowed. People who offer you money, take it. Why, why not take it? Not a problem. The problem with Ishtablis is from whom, from whom are you taking it? From a regular king that's a normal person, okay, take it. It's coming to you. Avraham Avinu deserved it. It would be maybe uh, wrong for him not to take it, the Mepharshim say. When it comes to Melech Sadaim, Melech Sadaim was also a Balgaiva. If you look in the Medrash on these Psukim, after he came out of the pit, he says to Avraham Avinu, the Mulashan of the Medrash is a very interesting Mulashan. The Mulashan of the Medrash is that, that he was hischil akashkesh loy biznavan. You know, like a dog goes and, uh, you know, very comfortable with the owner. He starts slapping the owner with his tail. You know, it's a sign that he's eating the right uh, dog food or something. Right? He's happy. The dog is happy. He's, he's whacking the owner with his tail as if he's like, he's a buddy with the owner. So that's what Melech Sadaim started doing. He says to Avraham Avinu, he says, just like you were thrown into the Kivshanation, you were saved. I was thrown into a pit, dangerous tar pit, and, it was, and I was saved. Meaning he thought that he was, he didn't realize, or he didn't care to realize that it was Avraham Avinu's chos that the miracle happened for him. But, he was just bragging. He was very, very into himself. He was very narcissistic. He was very, you know, he assumed that he was Avram Avinu. He must be a big tzaddik, Mel Sadaim. Avram Avinu saw Mel Sadaim that he reaped from Gaiva. And he says, from you I'm not taking money. From you I'm not taking money. You should never say, Ani, Hashartia Avram. Me, I'm get, I did it. I made Avram Avinu. Well, that word ani is not, is not necessary. But it is. Avram Avinu, being cognizant of his gaiva, said, I don't want you to ever say ani hasharkis Avram. That the zikh, they say in Yiddish, the ego, is what made Avram Avinu wealthy. Because that's what you're going to do. You're going to spend your whole life, every time anyone mentions my name and how much money I have and how powerful I am, you're going to say, oh, it's all because of me. You're going to take the revenge from out of Avraham Avinu's reputation. For me to take money from you would be a chil Hashem. For me to take money from you would be morally wrong. Maybe for regular people you could take money from Melch Sadaim, not because Arbitachin is not on the highest madrego. But Avraham Avinu, the Abba Mangayim, the first of the Aves, for Avraham Avinu is the greatest. Avraham Avinu was the quintessential Maimon for him to take money from Melch Sadaim. And for him to be, that's not Ishtabas, that's Mutter. Can't do that. That would be wrong. That would go against the Rabbinisham. As long as it's neutral, you can do it. But if it's something that will take away from the Rabbinisham's 
hashkacha in the world, or at least from the, the optics, would be so bad because there's a balgaiva that's pushing away out from in the process that I can't do. Can't allow that to happen. That would be wrong. So what we're saying today is that Hishtabas, according to those shittas, is a necessity. Avraham Avinu is allowed to do Hishtabas as is Yasef. But it depends who you're using in the process of your Hishtabas. For people that are on high madregas of, 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 of Bitochen, you have to make sure that every move that you make in life is with a proper Hishtabas. And if the Ishtalus is through people that are going to take away from the, the overall bitachim at and make it seem like it's not about the Rabbi Nishlam, and you can't say, Baruch Hashem, I got the job because there's somebody that's constantly screaming in your ear, I got you the job, and you owe all of the credit to me, and it's all about me, and, and every dollar that you make, you really should give half of it to me because after all, it's... That's something that you have to give second thought about whether or not you want to do that, if that's an appropriate type of Ishtadlis. And according to your Madriga Bitochen, it probably, you know, it gets less and less acceptable to do Ishtadlis of that type. In the great Musser citadel of Kelm, Kelm was a great, a great uh, Musser capital of the world. Small yeshiva, but they worked very hard on themselves and on their Musser and on their control, controlling their life, controlling their every emotion, and giving it all to the Rabbi Nishayim. In Kelm, they were very makbed that you're not allowed to say the word I. How do you do that? Try saying one sentence without mentioning the word I. You know, I'm, I'm going away for Shabbos. Uh, you know, I really uh, I had a great time last night. It was, uh, I love the shmuz. You always say I, right? It's impossible to say, to get through a sentence without saying I or me. So how do they do it? How, you have to like mamish cut out that part of this. It doesn't make sense. So what they used to do is they used to say we. You know, we're going away for Shabbos, or we should really think about doing this. Just like, don't like, don't always have the, the the spotlight shining directly on you. Like, spread it out a little bit. There's a story that's told that somebody once knocked on the door in Kelm. This is great, actually. Um, knocked on the door in Kelm and said, uh, and they said, "Who's there? I'm here." They didn't open the door. It's me, open the door. Okay, it's David. So then the door opens. They didn't want to have any, any gaiva in their house. So the word I was such a putrid word that they were like, ah! They avoided the I, the me, at all costs. I just saw an article this week, last, last week in the paper, in the Ated, that um, about Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky, there was a, uh, an Askin in Detroit, a very wealthy person, and he wanted a certain, a certain federation Yid. I don't think the Yid is, was from, but he had, you know, very, very, a guy that, that controls a lot of money and influence, and he wanted, so this Askin wanted to set up a, a phone conversation between Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky, Rashiva Philadelphia, and, uh, and this Federation Yid. Thought it would be important for them to meet and maybe something could happen, I don't know. So after this phone conversation was over, they had like, let's say, an hour-long conversation. So this Askin asked this Federation, Balabas, what'd you think of Rabbi Kamenetsky? What was your impression? He says, he is a genuine Jewish leader. He says, yeah, he is, but how do you know that? Like, where do you, how do you come to weigh that? How do you know that? So he said, we spoke for about an hour. He did not say the word I once. He didn't mention the word I. Normally, you know, you know I did this, and I went to this yeshiva, and I am the, I'm the Rosh Shiva here for, you know, the 60 years, and I, I wrote these sarim, and I'm, the, you know, I'm on the Mayatzas Kleilat and I'm the keynote speaker, and I'm the Rosh Shiva. Not, not, nothing. 
He didn't think about himself once. He's talking about Kal Yisrael, talking about uh, you know his community or the yeshivas or Tzayim uh, Eretz Yisrael, whatever it is that were, that they were discussing. I don't know what they were discussing, but he did not mention I want. That's a sign that he's a great Jewish leader. This is uh, somebody that's you know a regular simple yid that's not even Shemesh Shabbos. He, he he was able to 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 see that. To understand that, that's godless. Godless is that I'm not thinking about myself. It's not always about me. And it's been pointed out that we are the generation that it's all about I. We all have, uh, not all, but a lot of us have iPads and iPhones and iTunes and I, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, everything is I. And that's not by accident. You think Apple just said, nah, you know, let's call it an iPhone. Because everything is about personal, personal computers and personal pizza and personal, everything is, is, is about me. Personal pie. And I feel like personal pie. Why? Well, I, I can't share, I can't share a pie with the iPhone. No, it's about me. I need it this thick and with, the, with olives, half of it, olives, half of it, mushroom, that. It's all about me. It's my pers- it's personal. It's for me. And that's the problem with, with our dar. One of the many problems is that we're not thinking about other people. Reb Chaim Malajner, the great Reb Chaim Malajner used to say to his son many times, his son wrote this in the Akdama of the Nefesh HaChayim, he says, my father used to say all the time, Zekola Adam, this is the entirety of man. You know what man is all about in a nutshell? We're not born, we were not created for ourselves, believe it or not. It's not about me. It's not about I. The point of man is to help others. To assist others. In any way that I can. Now, I'm not able to do things that I can't do. If I'm not an atzal, I can't, I can't save a guy's life. And if I don't have a million dollars or a billion dollars, I can't build the yeshiva for people. But whatever I can do in my own little way, I have to do. You know, when it's snowing, which it is, or it has been the last couple of days, I think like it's a tremendous opportunity in a way to help other people in a very simple way. And it's a great chinuch tool for ourselves, for our children. You go outside after the snow stops and you have a shovel in hand. And what do you do? What do you do? Well, I, I shovel out my walk. I shovel my walk. I shovel my driveway. Get, make sure my car is all dusted. So I have the ability to go. Now, there's no one on your block. There's no almanas on your block. There's no older couples on your block. There's no people that have... Uh, that, are, that have, are compromised health-wise, they can't shovel snow. There's no one in the block or in the neighborhood that you could think of before or after you do your own walk to help them out also. All we care about is ourselves. We're just look, looking in our own little daladamas, and if we're okay, once my walk is done, ah, give me a hot chocolate you know, with whipped cream. I'm, 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 I just did a good job. Kizek Adam. A person was created whatever you're able to do, you have to do for others. That's man. That's not a chumrah. That's not a, that's not a you know, extra credit. That's man. If all we do our entire lives is I, I, I and worry only about ourselves, then we've got some major issues to work on. And we do. Because that's really, if you examine yourself honestly, I'm not saying we never do chesed, but what is 99% of our brain, what is it about? It's all about me. It's all about me. You know, I have to get my college degree and I have to get my transcripts and uh, what am I doing this summer? And of course you have to. I'm not saying you should just negate yourself, but what is the, the, the process of our thinking always? What are people going to say about me if I, you know, if I wear this color tie or this color suit? 
Are people going to like me more? Are people going to like me less? Am I going to, if I hang out with this guy, how is that going to affect my status with other people? Always thinking about yourself. And not as much about others. Hillel says that if I'm not for myself, then who's going to be for me? We have to take care of ourselves. We have to, you know, we have to make sure that we have clothing, we have a place to eat and to, and to sleep. We have to take care of ourselves. Obviously, no one's going to do it for us. But, says Hillel in, in, in Abbas, but if it's all about me, then what am I? What am I? I'm just a selfish person. I'm, 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 I'm the Sarah Mashim. It's all about me. I see, I'm just thinking about myself. Always thinking about myself and no one else. If I am thinking about other people, it's just about how they can serve me. Or if I could do them a favor so that I could be boastful that I'm doing people favors. But how much of it genuinely is about other people and how much is it about me? So practically speaking though, how do we, how do we change? If let's say we are wired this way, we are the iPhone generation, we are people that are always focused on the personal, and we're not able to naturally think about other people. So how do you do it? How do you, how do you get to the next level? So Rav Shimon Shkup in his Sefer, in Matama, to, uh, to his Sefer says, a very, very interesting insight, and I think it helps us a lot to be able to sort of bridge this divide between me and you. He says that everybody has an ego. Everybody has an ani. We, we, we are we. we, we I'm me. You're you. That's, that's natural. What do, you, what do you want? There's no, no way around that. So we're all naturally ani. What makes somebody a greater person, a gadol, is how much they're able to extend their ani. I could be me, just me, myself, and I. If I have a family, now my ani gets a little bigger. I have a wife to take care of, have children to take care of. That's my ani. It's also part of me, right? When, I, when my kid does something good, it, I take pride in that because it's a part of me. When my kid does something that I'm not proud of, that's, I get extra upset because that's a reflection on me. But I've expanded my ani, I've colonized my ani outward. And the more that we're able to look at things as more of my extended on me, the greater it is. So if I look at my yeshiva, let's say, as, as me, this is my yeshiva. Do you look at yeshiva, when you come to yeshiva, do you look at it as, as you're an individual that came to the yeshiva, you're matriculated on the list, you're on the meal plan and you're going for an, a degree in accounting. You should be finished here in about you know, two and a half years and then, you, and then life begins. Is that how you look at yeshiva when you enter yeshiva? But you don't have to do anything extra. Nothing extra. I don't have to put the white tablecloths on the table for Shabbos. That's, that's extra credit. I don't have to come to a, to a masiba, to a tish, to a lava malka, to a Hanukkah uh, thing. To a, I don't have to make a Purim spiel. I don't have to... Uh, you know, stay Roshoniyam Kippur. It's that, those are extra. I'm not here for the extras. Not my issue. This is not my issue. This is, it, it's about me. I have to get through. It's like a gas station. I don't have to, like, be a, be a shutif in the gas station. I just have to fill up my car and then and scoot off. That's one way of looking at yeshiva, and that's, unfortunately, I would say, ruba de ruba people suffer from that malady that they come to yeshiva looking at yeshiva as just a place that they could take for themselves and their, their own needs and, 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 and then just never look back. Drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. There's so many guys, they graduate yeshiva. They graduate or they just leave because, uh, you know, whatever, the yeshiva, they were looking for greener pastures, which is fine. But they don't even say goodbye. 
not just to me, to the other rabbi. It's just like it's just it's like a movie. You know, at the end of the movie, you, you just walk out. That's it. You're done. The movie's over. I'm I'm out. So this is a, it's like a movie. I came to be entertained. I came to get what I need. As soon as I don't get what, as soon as as soon as I, I you know it's disposable. I, I'm done with this. I'm going to the next place. That's selfish. That's looking at yeshiva. What can yeshiva do for me? What it's all about me. The other way of looking at yeshiva, and I'm using yeshiva, but it's going to be nagaya for everything in your life. Communally, communally, you're going to move to a community. You're going to look at well, which shul is going to be better for me, you know, to be in it, or is it like no, I want to, I want to, I want to help. I want to do something for the community. What what can I do for you? It's going to be true in marriage. It's going to be true where you're working. Um, I'm here to make a parnah. I'm going to get here to get a paycheck. That's not what the corporation wants. They don't want you. They want teamwork. They want you to, to, to be mishtatif in whatever they're doing and building and, and, and taking pride in the, in the organization that, that you're a part of. So Shem used to say that it's okay to have an ani. We all have an ani. It may not need mealy, but you have to expand your ani. There are guys that come to yeshiva and from day one they hit the ground running. They're here. And they're ready to do anything that needs to be done. They want to join the student government and they want to be a gabai and they want to be able to, you know, to be a balkaire and, and when somebody asks them to dam for the yom, they dam for the yom. Not one of these guys, hey, I don't want to dam for the yom. Well, why not? Well, it's so bad to dam for the yom. I'm not in the mood. We're not in the mood. It's just Yeshiva needs you right now, so do it. And there's constantly people that step to the plate to do everything. I want to just point out Penny. I'm sure he doesn't want me to point him out, but like, you know, he's doing the Zoom every year. He's not getting paid for this. He does Zoom. He does her anytime. He's the Balkaire. He's a person that, that lives for the seaboard. He's here for the seaboard. He's not doing this for any, any, any honor. I know him. He's doing it because he wants to do it. He wants to help out. And there are many people I can point out. Most of this room, as a matter of fact. And if you're here on a Friday when it's snowing, and you came, you know, even though you can be doing a hundred other things, I'm sure, and it's final time and all that, and you're here, that means that you, you get this. Expand your ani. Make your ani. Make the yeshiva you. Take pride in the yeah, pride. Good. It's good to have pride. Now make the yeshiva part of your pride. Make the yeshiva your yeshiva. You want to you wanna fix the svarim. You want to, you wanna, I don't know, fill up the, the, the coffee urn in the morning. You want to... There's a million things to be done in yeshiva. When wasn't there? Uh, other people are doing it. I promise you, there's always things for you to do. There's always, you go to the right people, they'll tell you exactly what you should be doing. There's gabayim in every shir. There's people, you want a chazer shir, they'll, they'll give you that. You want to give a chabura, you want to learn uh, whatever you want to do, you could do it. Just help yeshiva. Help your friends. You know algebra, you know uh, trigonometry, you know whatever it is, and accounting, uh, advanced accounting, and your friend is, is, is floundering in the course. Pull him over and say, I want to help you. What are you doing tomorrow night? Don't think about yourself. Take him under your wings. Make your enemy bigger. Embrace him. And the more we can expand our ani, the more godless we have. The Chazanish used to say that a gadol is somebody that his circle is so big that he's able to encompass so many people within him. That's what a gadol is. And we have a decision to make in life. What are we? Are we going to go through our whole lives selfish? Rehobim, Balegaiva, Anivapsiyayit, it's all about me, and everybody is here to serve me, and as long as I'm fed, I don't care that other people are starving. Corona, people are dying by the hundreds of thousands, but I'm healthy, so I'm fine. The sure It's good. Life is good. I mean, life is good. There are thousands of people dying every day in America right now. Life is good. And it's Israel. So many people are, are without work and, and sick and dying. Everything is good. What am I supposed to do about it? I don't know. Take out a telem and say telem. Give an extra kreft. Give a couple of bucks to tzedakah to, in order to, as a schus, that people should be able to, to, to find parnasa during this terrible period of corona. 
that so many restaurants are out of, out of business and so many vendors to the restaurants and the waiters in the restaurants and the busboys and, the, and, and in the hospitals, people are so over, overworked at wit's end, not, not, no break. There are people out there that are really going through a lot. We have to not just think about ourselves, but try to take that proverbial shovel, snow shovel, and, 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 and go and help other people in whatever way we can to extend whatever brachas that Shrugh gave us to other people. And if you're saying, well, I, I really don't have, I don't have money, I don't have time, I don't have, fine, it's a daven for them. Please, Hashem, help other people. I know that people are suffering. Help them. But do something that you're not going to go through your whole life, that we're not going to go through our whole life as an ami, as an see, as a, as a zich, as an ego, just me. With my iPhone and my iPad and my everything is nice. And the whole, the fact that everybody else around me are suffering, that's okay. I, I'm fine. I'm good. Baruch Hashem. That's completely inappropriate. For a yid, for a ben taira, for a human being to be a miskaya over his situation when other people are, have so much less is completely unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. And we have to look into ourselves and examine and explore our, our inner, inner selves and try to see how much of this, what we're talking about today is true about us. Sometimes it's, it's not so comfortable because we know about ourselves that we do suffer from this. But that's not an excuse to continue down the road of our life and the more that you're able to give, people join Hatzalah, people join Chaveirim. They go out at all hours of the day and night, snow, ice, sleep, heat, and they help other people. That's amazing. That means that they're not, they expanded their need to others. They're worried about Yenem. They're worried about other people. They're giving. Giving tzedakah to other people. Giving your time to other people. Learning with other people. Giving shiurim to other people. In any way that you can. Kizek haladim, that's what we're all about. If we're able to really nip it in the bud, if we're able to, if we find that we have this pagan inside of us, and I think we all do to a certain degree, and if you don't, that's another problem. You have to have a little ego. Also, this is not to say you should stuff out your entire ego. It's good to feel good about yourself. This is not saying you should walk around depressed and only thinking about others and completely self-negating. You have to worry about yourself also. You have to feel good about yourself and make sure that you are well and you are safe and you are healthy and you are happy. That's good. But now take that and extend it to others. Just end with a miso with Rav Nassim C. Finkel. Rashid of Amir, the Katadik Lebracha, who was, uh, he had a debilitating illness, of course, and he was a tremendous Rashid. He knew all the thousands of guys in the mirror by their name, and he gave Shiram on everything. He was a tremendous Tamakacham, and he was American born and bred, and they wrote a biography, many biographies about him, and he's an amazing person. But there's one Maisa that I really like about him. There was once a delegation of uh, very, very wealthy people that came to Israel from America. One of them was the chairman of Starbucks. His name was uh, Schultz, his last name. I, I forgot his first name. But he, um, he actually ran for president uh, four years ago, and uh, he, he didn't get too much traction. But he's a very, very successful businessman. He is the founder and CEO of Starbucks, which is all over the world as we know. So he was one of the people, and there were other people of that ilk, like really Chashubish, Spitz CEOs that came, Jewish people, I don't think they were religious in any way, but they came, and one of the stops on this, uh, this mission, on this trip, was to visit the Mir Shiva. And they came in, and he writes about this, Schultz, and he writes that he came into the room, and it was... Uh, you know, together with these big CEOs, and, and the Rashiva was very late. It was like he came late to the meeting, and they were like already getting a little bit, you know, upset, like how dare he, you know, come at. 
And then he came in, and they saw that he was shaking all over. He had terrible Parkinson's. And he didn't want to take medication because that would affect his learning. And they, were, they had a very hard time, Mr. Schultz writes, even looking at him because they saw he was wrapped in so much pain. And he says to them, gentlemen, I know you're very busy, so uh, I don't want to take up much of your time. But I want to ask you one question. What lesson could we take away from the Holocaust? So, you know, he looked around the room and they felt like little school children, these big chashavat, you know, masters of the universe. And one of them said, never again. Never going to allow that to happen again. And nothing to sort of just like, you know, wipe that away. Next one, another thing that what we should take away from the Holocaust. And none of them had an acceptable answer. And then Rebnasensi said, says, you know what you should take from the Holocaust? He says there were, the Nazis packed five, six people together on one little hard, cold, wooden bunk bed. It wasn't a bed. If you ever went to the camp, you see pictures. It wasn't, it wasn't a bed. There wasn't a mattress. It was just basically slats of wood. And they put five, they shipped five, six people and they were gaunt and imagine sleeping with five, six men in a bed, you know, without showering, without disgusting, it's awful. And they threw one little blanket to each, each cot. Well, it wasn't, it was, wasn't enough to cover one person, let alone five. And he said that what they did was that if they would have each pulled the blanket to themselves, they never would have been able to survive. But what they did in the Holocaust was they would push the blanket from themselves and give it to other people. Give it to the other. They said, no, no, you take it, you take it, you take it. And they were like, the whole night they were pushing the blanket to other people to make other people warm, to make sure that other people were surviving. Hamnasensvi said to these very powerful gentlemen, take your blanket back to America and spread it to as many people as you can. And that's the takeaway from the Holocaust. That's what we're talking about today. Everyone's gaiva, everyone's worried about themselves. I want the blanket, I want the blanket, I want to be warm, I can't worry about him, I've got to worry about myself. The greatest takeaway from the Holocaust and beyond and everything that we're learning is the ability to give, to be able to push your talus to other people. Shisha miskasibek talus echad. It's a Gemara that says, the Gemara, Shekhar Achein Bevla Yefi, is all shmuz in the Sefus Mutzer about this very topic. But there, was, there were diaries that, again, it's the same thing. They were able to all be miskasa in one talus, even though, like Rechaim Shemavit says, exactly this part, that they can't physically be miskasa, but you can't cover six people with one talus. You just can't. The only way you can do it is if you keep on extending it to other people. Take your ani, take your blanket, take all the brachas that you have and figure out ways to give it to other people. Make your career about giving encouragement to other people. When you choose a career, try to find a career path that you're going to be able to help many people and have kavanis l'shem shamayim, and then it's going to be an altogether different career. You can be a doctor so that you can have MD plates, you can play golf every Tuesday. Or you can be a doctor because I want to help so many people that are sick. It's the same act of being a doctor, but it's a completely different avayda. And when you're only doing things for yourself, it's an ugly, lonely dark world. When you think about others, then suddenly you're able to make it a beautiful world. You feel good about everything that you're doing. There's, there's purpose to your life. It's not just about me and then, you know, eating and drinking and being married for 80 years and then that's it. You're able to do for others and that's your legacy. Your legacy, you have a legacy of giving. Of not just thinking about yourself, but extending your ani and making other people part of your, of your family of your friends, of your clique, of your chevra. And the more people you're able to bring in and bring on board and make them feel secure and happy and safe and, and proud, 
the more you're able, your Ani shines. Yes, Hashem, we should take these Yisaitis to heart. We should have a wonderful Shabbos.